Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Kelly Dry Full Spectrum is produced twice monthly, and show notes are available at www.kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog, comlawmonitor.com. All links are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Hello, and welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast. I'm Steve Augustino, a partner in Kelly Dry's Communications Group. I am joined in the studio today by two of our associates, Avani Bell and Brad Courier. Today we begin a semi-regular series analyzing interesting items from the FCC's monthly open meeting. This edition will focus on what essentially was Chairman Pai's first open meeting. Although he presided over the January meeting shortly after being elevated to chairman, this meeting was the first one where he set the agenda from the outset and the first to tackle big-ticket items under his leadership. At the February 2017 meeting, the Commission adopted two items related to high-cost programs under the Universal Service Fund and adopted an order exempting small providers from certain transparency requirements under the controversial open internet rules. It was also the first open meeting with some of the process reforms Chairman Pai has put in place, which we will touch on later in the podcast. Brad, can you start us out by walking us through the mobility fund order? Sure thing, Steve. First, the mobility fund offers financial support to service providers to preserve and extend mobile broadband and voice services in unserved and underserved areas. This order is focused on expanding 4G LTE coverage to areas currently lacking that level of service. This is definitely a major component of Chairman Pai's recent focus on bridging the digital divide, especially between rural and urban areas. The FCC's order will provide up to $4.53 billion over the next decade to qualifying providers to expand 4G LTE coverage. It is important to remember that this order has been a long time coming. The FCC created the Mobility Fund just over five years ago in late 2011 as part of a larger overhaul of the program supporting service and build-out in rural and other high-cost areas. The Mobility Fund was designed to have two phases. Phase one included a one-time spend of $300 million to support the build-out of mobile voice and broadband service in unserved areas. But the Commission found that approximately 575,000 square miles of the country still lacked access to unsubsidized 4G LTE service. The Commission initially expected the second phase of funding to conclude in 2013, but experienced repeated delays, most recently due to the changeover in FCC leadership following the presidential election. So in rural areas across the country, providers have been frozen at their Phase 1 support levels in designated service territories for over five years. This order launches Phase 2 of the Mobility Fund. First, the Commission is going to determine all of the areas eligible for support, which will be any portion of a census block not fully covered by unsubsidized 4G LTE coverage with a minimum download speed of 5 megabits per second. The Commission is going to rely on the data submitted by carriers in their FCC Form 477 submissions. However, the Commission recognizes that this data is far from perfect, so there will be a challenge process by which service providers can provide evidence that areas should or should not be eligible for Phase two funding. This order does not establish parameters for the challenge process, instead seeking public input through further notice of proposed rulemaking. Each of the commissioners stressed the importance of the challenge process in ensuring support funds reach the neediest areas. So the challenge process is certainly an important part of the mobility fund phase phase two. But with the process undergoing a round of rulemaking first, 
we're still several months from the mobility fund really kicking off, aren't we? Isn't that right? Correct. Once the FCC establishes the mechanics of the challenge process, it then must identify the eligible service territories. Only after these two steps can the FCC hold a reverse auction, meaning the lowest bid to offer service in a given area wins support from the mobility fund. Funding will be distributed on a monthly basis for 10 years after the auction. Winning carriers will need to provide service meeting certain data speed and latency targets with rates that are reasonably comparable to those offered in urban areas. Notably, bidding and performance will be assessed on a per square mile basis rather than road miles covered as the FCC used in phase one. Chairman Pai explained that using road miles would ignore the fact that mobile networks are increasingly important for services like precision agriculture or remote monitoring that do not normally happen along roadways or in population centers. The order also imposes build-out requirements on winning carriers, such that by year six, 85% of the winner's area must be covered by LTE service. During the meeting, commission staff said they hope to complete the reverse auction in one year. This is a very ambitious goal, and it is not unreasonable to expect the process to take longer than that. Carriers currently receiving support for areas that receive a winning bid under phase two will see a rapid phase-down of support over the following two years. Eligible areas without a winning bid and currently receiving support will continue to receive support for the next five years for the lowest cost provider. We expect that smaller and rural providers will give some significant pushback on these face downs. Thanks, Brad. As his predecessors did, Chairman Pai has cited to broadband deployment in rural areas as a primary concern. This order is very much a continuation of prior FCC policy in that light, with some slight twists. Here, I think the hyper-focus on portions of census blocks, the per-square-mile formula, and the mechanics of the challenge process indicate a desire to reach truly unserved areas. That, if he's successful, could be a significant legacy for Chairman Pai. Avani, let's shift gears a little bit. Can you tell us about the Connect America Fund order? Absolutely, Steve. So the Connect America Fund, or CAF for short, is essentially the complement to the Mobility Fund by focusing on wireline voice and broadband connections. It also stems from the 2011 order Brad mentioned earlier, and like the Mobility Fund, has two phases. This order is the next stage in the Commission's efforts over the past five years to finish implementing CAF Phase 2. The order the Commission adopted finalizes the bidding rules for the auction for Phase 2. Last May, the Commission created an auction framework that included four technology-neutral broadband performance tiers with increasing speeds and usage allowances, along with commitments to either low or high latency. They also sought comment on how to weight these performance tiers. Essentially, the weighting is necessary to give credit to bids that offer more robust service. By weighting the bids, the Commission is able to make higher tier but more expensive service competitive against lower speed but cheaper connection in the reverse auction. All bids in the reverse auction will be considered simultaneously across performance tiers, such that bidders that propose to meet one performance tier will be directly competing against bidders proposing to meet other standards. Now, Avani, during the meeting, it seemed that Commissioner O'Reilly was not entirely thrilled with the weights the Commission adopted. That's right, Steve. Commissioner O'Reilly has expressed concern that the specific weighting that was chosen for this order will favor higher speed, more expensive bids over bids that offer speeds that are average in performance, but may be provided at a cost that allows for access to more communities. He said that the commission should be focused on more Chevys, not Lamborghinis. 
He also echoed concerns that he raised on orders adopted under former chairman Tom Wheeler. Commissioner O'Reilly suggested that the final bidding framework in this order had not been given enough public consideration, and it has little to no factual basis. In addition, the commission decided to reserve funding in the Remote Areas Fund for any state that has high-cost areas that did not receive support because carriers declined the cost model support. The commission intends to use the Phase 2 auction to inform how it prioritizes bids in the Remote Areas Fund. If those areas remain unserved after the winners of the auction portion of CAF Phase 2 are decided, the commission will pursue an auction specifically to address the extremely high-cost areas with the Remote Areas Fund. Additionally, the commission addressed several petitions for reconsideration that dealt with refining some of its earlier decisions regarding the CAF Phase 2 auction. The next step before the auction is initiated will be for the commission to seek comments about the auction mechanics. Upon completion of that proceeding, the commission will set a final auction date, which is expected to be before the end of 2017. All total, the CAF funding on the table is $1.98 billion to be distributed over 10 years. Now, as Avani said, the CAF is a complement to the Mobility Fund, and it's another key part of Chairman Pai's efforts to close the digital divide. Here, though, some of the differences from his predecessors are more apparent. Chairman Pai seems more likely to involve the states in broadband deployment funding, especially as we get down the line with the Remote Areas Fund. One other thing I'll note is that Commissioner Clyburn noted that she was concerned about the affordability of broadband and saw that as another component. I think that's really a topic for another podcast on us, but I think you're going to hear a lot more of that as time goes on. So, Brad, let's swing back then and talk about the final major item from the Commission's open meeting, the Open Internet Small Business Exemption. Sure. On a 2-1 vote, the Commission restored an exemption for small broadband providers from having to comply with certain open internet transparency requirements, and they also expanded the exemption to cover more providers. In 2015, the FCC adopted enhanced transparency disclosure requirements for internet service providers by requiring these providers to disclose promotional rates, all fees and surcharges, all data caps and allowances, and additional network performance metrics such as packet loss. Initially, the order exempted providers with 100,000 or fewer broadband connections from these disclosure obligations for one year. However, after some attempts to issue an order extending the exception, the exception lapsed in early January. The FCC's action restored the exemption so that small providers would be exempt from the transparency disclosure obligations for the next five years. The FCC also expanded the exemption by changing the small provider threshold from 100,000 or fewer broadband connections to 250,000 or fewer broadband connections. The FCC applied the exemption retroactively, meaning small providers are covered for the period from January to now. One additional change to note, while the original exemption covered providers with 100,000 or fewer subscribers across all affiliates, the order changes the Commission's interpretation to no longer count subscribers by aggregating across all affiliates. As a result, major broadband providers with subsidiaries having 250,000 or fewer subscribers are now exempt from the enhanced transparency rules. Brad, do we know exactly how many more providers now qualify for the exemption? No, the order did not provide a list of exempted providers, although Commissioner O'Reilly indicated that approximately 17 providers may now qualify for the exemption, none of them having major coverage areas or market share. It's important to note that the 250,000 subscriber limit is consistent with legislation that passed the House but not the Senate earlier this year, known as the Small Business Broadband Deployment Act. Despite this development, small providers remain subject to transparency requirements adopted by the FCC in 2010, 
including mandated disclosures of network management practices, network performance characteristics, and commercial terms of service. Commissioner Clyburn, in a strongly worded statement, argued the commission had failed to provide any substantive discussion of why 250000 was the right cutoff point and failed to evaluate the impact of the exemption on consumers. Yeah, I think Clyburn's dissent is, um, is important here. This may be a sign of future battles. The order is but step one in what's expected to be a contentious effort to roll back the open internet rules. We have a long and fairly complicated procedural process in front of us if the chairman follows through on his criticisms of the open internet order. Moreover, Clyburn's position indicates that we are a far cry from the end of party line votes, at least on net neutrality. I think it's important now for us to touch on some of Chairman Pai's process reforms, which we saw in the lead up to the open meeting. The most relevant was probably Pai's pilot program to release the full text of items three weeks prior to the commission voting on them. In the pilot, the chairman released the full text of a notice of proposed rulemaking and a report in order. Both items were adopted at the open meeting. And Pai declared the pilot a success after the meeting and clearly intends to continue it, having already released six items for the March open meeting. The FCC also released one-page fact sheets providing summaries of the proposed actions, adopting a process reform recommended by Commissioner Clyburn earlier this year. It is worth mentioning, however, that on the complicated and contentious CAF and mobility fund orders we discussed earlier, the chairman did not release those items prior to the meeting, and the final text is still not available for the mobility fund order at the time that we're recording. So it remains to be seen when and how often the chairman abides by this rule. Yeah, I agree, Brad. Certainly, Chairman Pai has set an ambitious standard for releasing the text of items before the FCC. It may prove difficult to keep the commitments he's made, especially as more complex and controversial items reach the Commission's agenda. That's why we will keep watching as the Pai FCC gets its legs and finds its stride going forward. That's all we have for today. I want to thank everybody for joining us. I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so you can get the latest updates on this and other key developments in communications, law, and policy. Thank you. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or ideas held by Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.